Hello, hello. Welcome to the Dad in the Trenches podcast. This is it. The last episode of a four-part series called 40 for 40. That's 40 lessons learned in the trenches by age 40. If you are just tuning in to the Dad and Trenches podcast for the first time, welcome. And uh, the last f- now four episodes are a little different than what's normal, but uh, I recently hit the big 4-0 and uh, spent some time just recording uh, thoughts and reflections of this last stretch of life, uh, memorializing this in a way, hopefully leaving some lessons learned for my kids, and also it's just something that's encouraging for any of you down the trenches out there. So I'm really glad you've joined us. Boy, if, if you all have made it this far and have listened to the other three, God bless you. You guys are super troopers and get the gold star. <laughs> so we're going to jump in here for the last 40 for 40 um, lessons learned, number 31 through 40. See you guys on the flip side. essence of manhood. Now to get into this, um, quite a loaded topic, but I mean in today's world to talk about masculinity, manhood, you know, we live in a culture that at, at best is dismissing masculinity and at worst is labeling it as toxic, but the really the component that's missing is the spiritual component, because if we truly understand how uh, how we're designed and what God meant us for, then we can walk forward in that uh, vision and in what He has for us now. So to do that, we have to go all the way back um, to the garden, really, and Adam's sin. When you consider Adam and Eve, you know what what were their original sins? Um, you know, in a sense, what we see being played out today is very much uh, a reflection of what happened in the garden back then. So what does that mean? Well, one, Eve was deceived and she took the fruit. Um, Adam stood passively by and did nothing. So the serpent lied to Eve. Um, She believed a lie that she could, in a sense, be more like God. She could take control of her destiny. She could make the choices and overcome, come over that authority. And then it said in Scripture, she ate of the fruit and she gave it to her husband who was with her. Well, when you rewind a little further in, uh, before in Genesis, God gave the command to Adam. This is even before Eve was on the scene of, you can eat of any tree, tree fruit of any tree except this one. And so... Adam knew the truth, he stood by passively, and let this happen. So, the essence of manhood, what does that mean for us today? If we as men are rejecting apathy and leading boldly and courageously, we'll be protecting the woman that she is, and not be as uh, apt to want to control the situation perhaps, but even more so for us as men, this essence of manhood requires us to reject apathy, lead boldly and courageously, 
to overcome the flesh nature and tendency to want to step back or shrink back. That is the essence of man and what we're called into to lead our families, to lead our spouse, whatever sphere of influence you're in. We're called to reject apathy and lead forward. Number 32, deal with the brokenness. I once heard it said, and I don't know who to attribute it to, but the phrase is this, hurt people hurt people. Maybe said another way, hurting people hurt people. Meaning, if you haven't dealt with your brokenness, if you've got baggage inside, you're hurting, the tendency is that you will also hurt others. Um, I was in a leadership uh, development class at at, uh, our church, I don't know, five, six years ago, something like that. Um, The the mentor that was there that was talking, he he himself was had been in leadership space for a long time. He'd say, you know, what we see is that the cracks begin to show uh, for people in their 30s. He said, you know, in your 20s, a lot of it's, you're pretty carefree, um, you're just getting established, young in your career, maybe you're not even have kids yet. It's like, by the time you're in your 30s and mid-30s, you have more responsibilities with work, typically. Uh, you've been married for a while, and dealing, perhaps, with, um, you know, marital issues. Uh, you have kids, just the responsibilities mount, and... Um, People can no longer hold it together. The cracks begin to show. And that was almost insanely prophetically true for me in my stage of life at that time. Um, Because I was still, had all the plates spinning, still um, kind of hiding behind this mask of of sorts of keeping it all together. But a calamity was about to happen as part of my journey. Um, And yeah, the cracks were beginning to show. And a lot of the brokenness and uh, poor ways of dealing with things uh, in my own life uh, began to show up. Um, marriage was rocky and getting worse. And um, it's hurting inside. A lot of my story is uh, anger issues coming out as well. Um, why do I say all this? Well, dealing with the brokenness. You know what? It's, it's okay to not be okay. However, here's the thing have to do something about that especially in the Christian world and in Western Christianity um, there is this negative connotation or stigma that oh if you go to counseling then man you're you're seriously screwed up Um, but the truth is like um, uh, a longtime uh, friend of mine has put it this way he said uh, part of dealing with your past and your brokenness is you have to dam up the. Um, you have to dam up the brokenness. You have to deal with those areas and, and, and wall off and dam up this brokenness to the part of your life at some point, so you can release the blessing into your kid's life and into the next generation, into your legacy. And so, yeah, it, it's okay to not be okay. Like you gotta get past this idea of we have to be perfect Christians, but you can't stop there. You gotta do something. You have to deal with it. 
And if you need to go to a counselor and talk to someone and to flush out your issues, do it. I spent a season with a counselor. Super helpful. Um, I also, at that same time, had a band of brothers that we were doing discipleship group with. And I just air my junk and say, here's where I am. And you know what? It was super helpful um, to have guys pray for you and to have that community surround you in those times. It's okay to not be okay, but do something about it. Deal with the brokenness. Dam up the brokenness. And therefore, you can release blessing into your destiny and into the destiny and legacy of your kids. Number 33, anger management. Now, coming on the heels of number 32, I thought this would be good to talk about. Um, one, this is something I've had to personally deal with quite a bit. Um, but also, as I look over the results and the dad survey that uh, many guys have done uh, off of the Dad and Trenches website, um, anger is a, is a common recurrence. I think a lot of us, especially Christian dads, we deal with this and we're uh, there's a stigma that, well, you're a Christian, so you can't be angry about stuff. So I'm going to talk about this for a minute because it's super important. Um, our culture has become, um, how do I say, we've gone about processing anger the wrong way. There's a lot of advice that says, well, you got to release your anger. So, hey, when you're frustrated, you know, go take a bat to a pillow, for instance, and let it all out and vent it. Um, you know, or just stuff it, you got to move on, suck it up, be a man, stuff it, move it on. So this is how we train our response. And what, what research is finding is that this is actually the, the wrong way to train your response. If you're, if you feel anger, you're training your response to vent and release anger through a a violent act of hitting, for instance, like if you take a bat to a pillow, um, or bottle it up. Well, I spent years bottling up frustrations and, and things from past, and it all came. Uh, that's where part of my story comes in, but um, of anger issues coming forth, and culminated in me going into another room at one point and beating the crud out of the arm of a sofa chair in my bedroom, and I actually connected with the structure underneath and broke my my uh, knuckle. <laughs> so. Uh, end up in the ER, have to get, you know, wear a splint uh, for this broken knuckle for weeks on end, that kind of thing. So um, this is a real thing. We have to learn how to train our response. And, and as a Christian, we have to understand that, you know what, there's tons of passages in Scripture where God is angry. We can admit it. God has anger. But here's the deal. He has a righteous anger. For us, I think there's very few times where we have a righteous anger. We have a distorted anger. And this anger is misplaced in some way. Whether we feel offended, um, it very often has little to do with a justice issue or a righteous indignation against sin issue. It has more to do with our own subjectivity and viewpoints rather than God's ways, for instance. So... That being said, um, it is an issue you guys struggle with. Uh, there's a book on the resources tab of the Dad and Trenches website. It's just called Anger, 
uh, dealing with a powerful emotion, something like that. It's by Gary Chapman. Uh, super helpful to, to work through. Highly recommend that if, you, if you're looking for something or need some help, um, a resource to read, for instance. And I just want to walk through real quick. The f- there's five steps in diffusing anger. Uh, you have to process the anger. So that means you have to talk about it. You have to get things out. So step one is actually acknowledging you're angry, which sounds stupid, but actually it's really helpful. Like, ah, admitting to yourself, I feel angry right now. Now, what am I going to do about it? Just simply acknowledging that, even saying it out loud to yourself, helps you start to process the anger. So step two is restrain the immediate response. Don't vent it. Restrain it. Learn how to objectively deal with the anger issue and not vent it, not lash out, but get to a point with objectivity so you can uh, constructively deal with it. Number three, focus or locate the focus of your anger. The why. Is this distorted anger? Is this righteous anger? Why am I why am I upset about this right now? Why am I feeling angry? Is it because I had high expectations and my kids blew that for this evening? Therefore I'm feeling frustrated about it. Well, I don't need to vent it on them. Actually, maybe that's my issue. Maybe I have too high of expectations for them, just as an example. Number four. Now analyze your options. If this is a, an issue with another colleague, for instance, or with your spouse, is this an issue that, you know what, it is distorted, this is my issue, I just need to overlook this? Or do I actually need to confront this? Hey, ouch, you stepped on my toe on this. Can we talk about this? Um, is this serious or not? Number five then is take constructive action. So. Now you know you've located the focus of your anger, you restrain the response, you even just have acknowledged you're angry. Now what are you going to do? Are we going to gently confront? Are we going to pray about this, release this? These are all steps uh, to diffusing and processing the anger rather than training your response to just immediately vent and get stuff out, um, oftentimes in unconstructive ways or hurtful ways. So anger management, process it. Don't bottle it in, and don't vent it in the moment. Train for the appropriate response. Number 34. As the father goes, so goes his family. Now, if you've been around dad in the trenches on social media, Uh, For any stretch of time, you've probably run across this phrase, as the father goes, so goes his family. I believe this with all my heart because I've seen it in the life of my family and in the lives of others, that when dad gets set on fire for the Lord, his family follows after him. Correspondingly, um, if a father runs after the wrong things, Oftentimes, so goes his family. However, because we're uh, chasing after the wrong thing, the wheels fall off the bus, uh, so to speak. So, uh, best scripture for this is in Deuteronomy. It talks simply about, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. 
you shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be on as fronts between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your houses and on your gates. This scripture points it all out to us. As the father goes, so goes his family. And the amazing thing here, so oftentimes we, I think we focus on the, you shall teach them diligently to your children. Um, there's this aspect of training them. But what's before that? He says, the words I command you today shall be on your heart. You on your heart. You shall love the Lord your God with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your heart. It means dad goes first. It means, man, if we have a heart to see our kids know the Lord, if we have a heart to see this next generation change, it actually starts with us first. Are we loving the Lord with all our soul, all our strength, all our mind? And then what are we doing about it? Yeah, it's, there's plenty of things we could go about trying to intentionally disciple our kids. But if we're not the ones that are passionate about Jesus, if we haven't had our hearts set ablaze by His Spirit and by nearness with Him, with a relationship with Him, we can't expect our kids to walk after it. There's all sorts of statistics about the influence of Father and about Father's presence in the home, um, you know, all these different things that um, we know, statistically speaking, and it also translates spiritually. And so the challenge is, what are we doing about it, dads? Are we pursuing the Lord? As the Father goes, so goes His family. Thirty-five. Don't numb out. We have this saying in our house, don't numb out. Now, you probably know this intuitively. It's simply that moment, that tendency, when things are getting tough, to just simply, like, inwardly say, heck with it. To give up, to disengage, pull away, to close your heart. And you've probably seen this in others, too. There's a look in a person's eyes when they numb out. I actually see this a lot in dads and even in the church. Uh, Matthew 6, 22 through 23, Jesus is talking. He kind of clues us in on some of this here too. He says, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. It's really interesting that you know that phrase of the eyes are a window to the soul it's so true here I think Jesus is pointing to that here of when we look into someone's eyes do we see some do we see it alive or is it numbed out it's kind of glossed over tired I give up kind of numbness but here's the deal um, numbing out is the opposite of what Paul is talking about in 2 Corinthians 6 11 through 13 he says we have spoken freely to you Corinthians and opened wide our hearts to you. You you are not withholding our affection from you, 
but you are withholding yours from us. As a fair exchange, I speak as to my children. Open wide your hearts also. So when difficulties come, when something is hard, when there's a disagreement, or a relationship is combative, we have a choice to open wide our hearts or to numb out. And we men, I think, are particularly good at numbing out. It plays right into our apathetic flesh tendencies. But numbing out can lead to escapism from the home, addictions, a calloused and bitter heart that creates emotional distance from others. The challenge is to ask yourself where you've numbed out. Take it before the feet of Jesus. Ask him to help open wide your heart where it was closed off. Our families need us. All of us. And that includes the numbed out parts that need to come back to life and be healed. Don't numb out. Hey there, and quick intermission on this last episode of 40 for 40. You know, I had a dad at the end of taking the dad survey left a comment and he said simply this being a dad is hard (laughs) so simple yet so true you know I thought um, years ago uh, after getting married I thought being a husband was hard and went through some rough patches in the early years and thought okay you know marriage is meant to make me holy not just happy and uh, all right, we've worked off some rough edges. I realize I'm selfish. You know, I've got this. And you know, we're in a good spot. Things are taken care of. More like Jesus, on we go. And man, then we had kids. And I realized about a year into it, like, oh Lord, I am so wicked. <laughs> it is hard for sure. And such is life in the trenches. It's. It's not meant to be easy, but we've been given a great calling as father. We've been given the responsibility of training up our kids in the way they should go, and it's not easy. They will buck us. They'll be pulled towards the way of the culture. They'll be affected by our brokenness and the brokenness of others. But we are to hold fast to the truth, to be resolute and unwavering as men of God. We are to buck the culture. We are to show our kids how to humbly live out this Christian life. And we are to seek restoration for the good of our legacy and the legacy of our children and their children's children. It is a high, high calling. If if you've been listening to Dad in the Trenches, I, I suspect you may feel these very things. Honestly, that's I was in the same boat and that's how I was years ago. I um, wasn't finding many outlets for a resource like this for encouragement and challenge. And ultimately, that's why I started Dad in the Trenches. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're in the trenches fighting it out. You are not alone. Keep going. Keep fighting. You are doing a good thing, Dad. Keep getting closer to Jesus and then letting that spill over onto your family. It has more impact on them than you know and for a kingdom legacy. Thanks for listening along here with this series of 40 for 40. In two weeks, we'll flip back over and have more, and I have more great guests lined up for this fall. It will continue to challenge and inspire and encourage us all. 
Let's jump back over now to wrap it up. Number 36. Welcoming the Holy Spirit. I don't know what your faith tradition is um, or the background you grew up in, but mine was such that he was referred to as the Holy Ghost and he was kind of some imaginary third person over in the corner that we acknowledged but we didn't really talk to or understand or get to know. Um, But here's some of what I've experienced and what I see is the Holy Spirit, the Bible talks about, he, He comes and He fills us at salvation. He seals us. Um, he a, he's a deposit guaranteeing us this inheritance to come. And I also see in Scripture that He comes when He pleases. Um, he can release miracles. All this stuff's in the Bible. Um, and, and Jesus, you know, talking to His disciples, He said that they would do even greater things than He was. And, and He told them, it's for your benefit that I go so that I send the Counselor. So, some of why don't we see some of these quote-unquote these greater things today and that's really part of just what I want to talk about in this quick segment is and I know there's a theological can of worms that I'm not even going to unpack but I want to touch on one thing I believe this has been the case in my life um, and I think it's the case for a lot of us that we're maybe not even willing to admit but I believe most people are afraid of the Holy Spirit <clears throat> excuse me I think they're afraid of losing control, afraid of what will happen, afraid of the unknown, you know, afraid of looking silly like those odd charismatics, you know, flopping around on the floor or whatever. I think if we're honest with ourselves, if we could truly unpack uh, certain aspects of, of God, we like a God that we can control and we can put in a box on our shelves of what to expect and have outcomes that we can control. And honestly, this is a hard issue of comfort and control more than it's like a theological argument of what we see in the scriptures or who is the Holy Spirit. It's it's a heart issue of our comforts and our desire for control. But here's the deal. God wants to be in the driver's seat of our life. And if we're compartmentalizing our heart and life and we aren't open to Him moving in our life, God will respect that. If you want more of God, but you aren't getting it, perhaps, this is a perhaps, you've boxed God in by refusing His Holy Spirit because you've been afraid. So you have to simply ask, God, where is it that I'm afraid of letting you in? Ultimately, and I think that we see this in scripture as well. The Holy Spirit's one of his jobs is to help make us more holy. Um, Paul in uh, Colossians, he talks about this great, quote unquote, great mystery that is this Christ in you, the hope of glory. And then a uh, letter to Corinthians talks about that we have this treasure in jars of clay to show this all surpassing power is, is not from us. So, me personally, <clears throat> have I experienced crazy, weird, quote, charismatic stuff? Well, yes, I've, I've seen some. I've seen some miracles. 
um, right before my very eyes. I've experienced things that I can't quite fully explain in myself. Have I seen others experience? Yes, some. But here's the deal. The outcome for all of that was an inner transformation that brought about more holiness. Not about these extravagant, miraculous things for the sake of them being extravagant and miraculous. Um, I want more of God. I want to be closer to Him. I want to be more like Jesus. And the outcome of whatever the Holy Spirit's doing in a person's life is ultimately for their inner transformation to make them more holy. Who wouldn't want that? We have to ask ourselves and be willing to welcome and be open to the movement of the Holy Spirit. Number 37. Consistency. I'll be perfectly honest with you all. Um, consistency, especially at home, has been a challenge over the last few years. Um, I don't understand what it is about, like, man, I can be so consistent at work. I can have everything mapped out um, and things humming along. And then I get home and it's like the wheels fall off the bus. And... I remember what we planned for this, for this family thing, or what we said we were going to do here, or what I said I was going to do there. Like, consistency is just not there, but the cons- consistency is key. It builds trust. Let's others know you're serious. It sets a pattern for expectations, especially in your home. Communicate really what's important and who you are, and who you are as a man. And ultimately, Consistency sets you on a road of action. So, I don't know if you guys struggle with this, but for me, something that's been really helpful and something I'm working through is just taking baby steps um, for an approach to be consistent. And even if it's small things, do just do these small things to start working towards being consistent. If I try to do it all at once, it's going to fall by the wayside. So, picking one thing and just doing baby steps to get consistent at this one thing. And then as it starts to kind of get a little more consistent, get ingrained, gets a little easier, and okay, pick another thing on, on the list I want to get more consistent with. Do baby steps there, get consistent, let it get ingrained, let it become more of the natural flow of life and so forth. So consistency is key, building that trust, getting serious about it. Number 38, garbage in, garbage out. Matthew 15, 18 says this. This is Jesus talking. He says, what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles a person. Now, as as parents, my wife and I are very conscious of what our kids watch, screens they look at, the content they're consuming or what's put before them Um, we've paired way back and hardly do anything Um, you know but when they ask why because we say no or no screens we simply tell them look garbage in garbage out 
and they know because we've taught them and talked about this that what you consume affects you and will eventually come out because you become ultimately what you contemplate and this is a, a matter of the heart um, and what goes in just as Jesus was pointing out to you know my own life um, even in the last year or so uh, we live in crazy times and I was trying to keep up with it so in part of my car ride in the mornings even I would listen to uh, uh, radio programs or, or things to get me apprised of the news and I just found I was being really cynical and having a negative attitude and it just set me off on the wrong foot so realizing <laughs> the this aspect of garbage in garbage out finally realized and so I, I changed my morning routine the car ride became for prayer or worship music, times of silence, listening to something encouraging, listening to worship music, um, spending that time putting in good things so good things would come out. You know, I think like anything, at first it took discipline, um, but now I'm finding my desires are way different. Uh, The closer I get to Jesus, the more I want to walk in His ways, and I want my heart to be more of His heart. Well, more peace, more joy, more being in tune with His Spirit. And, and that's with this. This is the purpose, is to starve the flesh to get to the heart. To starve the flesh of, I don't know what it is for you you dads. Is it, is it video games? Is it, is it pornography? Is it um, negativity? Is it, is it putting in, uh, you know, radio programs? Is it listening to podcast full of profanity? Is it, is it any of these things that um, is garbage in and it's resulting in garbage out for you? The challenge and the purpose of this is just simply to starve the flesh so we can get to and nourish the heart. As Jesus says, what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart. So it's about the heart. It's not just about... Um, it's not just about a religious thing. It's actually about a motivation thing. It's about desires that are changed to be holy. So what are you consuming this day? What are you putting in? That's the challenge. It's garbage in, it's garbage out. Number 39 fostering entitlement. Now, I want to be really, really clear here. Even though Dad in the Trenches is about fathering, is about equipping us to do fathering well and to love our kids and all that stuff, our kids need to know that life is not all about them. And we need to make sure that they don't uh, get this sense of entitlement that we're just here to serve them. Um, and even more importantly, let me say this, like, while well, Dad in the Trenches is about fathering, um, if you're married, your marriage is even more important than your fathering. Our life with God is more important than our marriage and more important than our fathering. We have to have our priorities in line with these values. It's God, marriage, family, community, etc. Um, and our kids, um, our kids need to know this. More importantly, um, they need us to paint a vision of the kingdom life that's bigger 
than just them so they can catch on to what life with Jesus is really about. You can't let them uh, just grow up with this sense of entitlement that dad is all about me and life is all about me, etc., etc. Like, they need to know their part in God's grand story and what he's called them to. It's part of, yes, that's part of us helping them understand that calling, but helping them understand their place ultimately in his story. Number 40, we made it here. Number 40, it's never too late. But I've heard plenty of guys say, and even had guys message me directly and ask the question, is it too late for me? Can I really have an impact? I've screwed up. And you know what? It's never too late. Don't believe this lie. You make the most of whatever time you have, whatever mistakes you've made. You can course correct. You can change and you can be intentional. The truth is we all make mistakes. We get back up, we try again. We humbly admit to our family, look, I've messed up. Takes truckloads of humility. But here's the deal. Your family, seeing the redemptive grace of the gospel lived out through you and any amount of transformation that happens in you is more impactful than you'll ever know. That's the point. That's the purpose. Your family will follow you. It takes consistency. It takes pressing into change, pressing into his heart but you've got time and whatever time you've got make the most of it let your kids see you pressing into Jesus and letting the transformation come ultimately that's going to make the most impact it's never too late don't believe the lie it's never too late it's never too late you've got this Jesus let this truth sink deep inside of us I thank you that nothing is outside of your touch. Nothing is outside of your redemptive grace. No matter what mistakes we've made, no matter what has gone on in the past, even if we think situations or relationships can't be redeemed, God, you can do it. You're about the business of restoration. I thank you that in you we are a new creation. And so we stand on that truth today. We receive the truth that in you, Jesus, there is no condemnation for those that are in you and that you have made us a new creation through yourself. And so because of that, we receive we receive this truth that it is never too late. May we walk in it and may our families be impacted as we go forward. It's never too late. Thank you, Jesus. Well, all right, that wraps it up. We are there, 40 for 40. 
I'd like to thank you for joining me here on the Dad in the Trenches podcast, especially if you've tuned in for the last four episodes. Thanks again so much. If you haven't already, you've been a, a listener for a while, if you're on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, if you would, just rate, review, and subscribe if you haven't already. And more than anything, share it with another dad in the trenches that maybe needs to glean some information and some encouragement and challenge, some equipping, and and anything that uh, is going on here in the podcast. You can always check us out on the website at dadinthetrenches.com. Subscribe for email updates there. Follow along on Instagram at dadinthetrenches. You can direct message me there or feel free to just uh, throw in a comment on something that was encouraging. And uh, can always email at hello at dadinthetrenches.com. Again, thanks for listening. God bless. And go walk out this calling as a father, as a parent that you've been given.